0: What's up? This is Nikki D with Medium Plus coming to you from Taste Washington 2017 here at the seminars at the Four Seasons Hotel. Seminars are conducted by the top wine professionals from around the world and are staffed by the best sommeliers in the seattle area and beyond so a really fun part of the taste washington weekend later today is the grand tasting held at the Questfield event center down in soto with probably hundreds of wines on offer there so a really fun time indeed I am bringing you an interview I did with a Washington winemaker. So this is with Lewis Skinner, winemaker for Betts Family Wines. The winery is up in Woodinville and sources fruit from eastern Washington in Uh, Walla Walla and beyond and Lewis is a great friend and an incredible technical mind with uh, profound attention to detail so I really enjoyed speaking with him and tasting barrel samples from the 2016 vintage. Medium Plus is edited and mixed by Chris Barr. You can check out his SoundCloud uh, with a quick link medium.plus slash chris and I'm Nick Davis so without further ado here Here's the interview. Cheers.
1: This is uh, the oldest Grenache vines in the state of Washington. So when the Newhouse family bought that property, which is uh, just east of um, Zilla, they bought it in 72. They planted the first Grenache plantings in 73. So this is our old vine, 73 block at Upland of Grenache. Got it. 100% de-stem. I got the non-blow. What is so the next one? Bar- barrel ferment. Barrel, for barrel me. For me? Thank you. How's your
0: day going, Nick? It's going well Lewis, yeah, just
1: nice. getting get stuff done this is a nice finale. How about you? Good, yeah, busy day, just rocking it out. Yeah. Uh, a Grenache, three Merlots, uh, four Syrahs, no, three Syrahs, five cabs and two Petit Verdot. All 2016 minutes. Does Grenache ever go through carbonic? <laughs> okay, so... Intentionally? <laughs> no, no, uh, Yes and no. So this, this was 100% percent destemmed. stemmed The deal is, this is still in the gross leaves. It's never been lack, racked. So the CO2 is probably six, 700 ppm. It hasn't seen its first racking yet. And I'm gonna push it probably till late summer before harvest if I can. Um, that's why it's loaded with CO2 because it's never been racked. So that's the problem like when DRC used to, they used to bottle things barrel by barrel, unracked. Uh, and then in the 80s, they started switching to doing like four and six barrel assemblages. The problem is when they were doing like Latash, when they used to bottle, like the very famous one that Rob has some of, that we've tasted before, the 1980, they bottled it barrel by barrel. So the problem was it had never gone through a racking and some barrels would have like 200 parts per million really CO2, others would have like a thousand. So some of them are really fucked up and hard and then others are perfect because each barrel had a different amount of CO2 in. Uh, and that's the trick about not racking. If you don't rack, you better be racking into an into an assembly tank and just like potentially get rid of that CO2 yeah. or else it's going to be a big problem.
0: To get some
1: uh, You hum- got to get humogenous. that CO2. Yeah. And so we measure it. We have a device called a carbo doser that we measure to make sure it's low enough. Because cool. you don't want CO2 in your bottle wines, in red wines at all. In white wine, you'll try to keep that. In, in red wines, you want to get rid of it. Is it okay if I'm recording to, to get? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right, cool. Thanks. Uh, so Upland Grenache, 73 planting, uh, Brule Merlot. So this is the only uh, vineyard in the lower Yakima Valley, kind of mid-Yakima Valley, that we get Bordeaux grapes from. So, uh, and it happens to be that this one site, that Brule Vineyard, is it's the soils are very poor. Um, the the care for the vineyard is just meticulous. So it's you and Kathy Shields that farm it, and. It's very low yielding vines um, in the whole vineyard, so they're trying to ripen a lesser amount of fruit. They're very meticulous with their vineyard care, with their shoe positioning. So we are able to just ripen the grapes there, so where in the, the neighbors, they don't have quite as, as much attention to detail. The yields are trying to push a little more, so we've never, that's family, and never really been able to find anything else in that kind of mid Yakima Valley for Bordeaux grapes, uh, except for this site.
0: Has this uh, no oak yet? These are all barrel samples. Oh, barrel barrel samples. 2016 barrel samples.
1: These are specific barrels. This is a 300 liter 2015 Gamba. We call it 2.2. This is a brand new Sylvan Signature barrel 4.2 from DeBruel. Yada 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 yada. This is a Sylvan Signature. That's a brand new barrel. Brand new barrel. Is Sylvan your main cooper? Nope. Uh, Our Coopers are Terenceau, of which the biggest is Reference 112, which is the, globally, that's their most important barrel. Uh, Gamba is about 18 or 20 percent. Contessence is about 20 percent of our barrels. Sylvan's about maybe 8 percent, 10 percent. Sori is about 5 percent. Uh, let's see what what have I uh, contestants, Gamba, Terenzo, Sylvan, Sori. What am I missing? Um, oh Sigin Moro icon. We used that in the Bordeaux program and just recently in the Rhone program. That's another almost twenty percent. Those are our big hoopers. Awesome. I've heard of Terenzo and Sylvan. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay, so uh, mid Yakima Valley for Merlot, now we're going all the way to Walla Walla, Seven Hills, which is actually technically in Oregon because it's Milton Free Water. Okay. Right. Yes, please. Are many wines labeled Milton Free Water? Only if, only if your uh, wine says Cayuse on it. Clipson? Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is Cayona, uh, part oh, of the oh, oh, trying, trying to figure out your code. So Merlot as well. Merlot, from Walla Walla. More firm. It is more firm. Mm-hmm. And, and uh-huh. a little richer, too. So it's interesting. I'd say of, of all the great varieties this year, Merlot is the one that's, that has the least consistency. De Brule didn't turn out quite as ripe as we get it most years. Seven Hills, Walla Walla did better than we see it most years. Uh, Red Mountain didn't get quite as ripe. The Clipson did pretty well. Uh, the rest of the great grapes, Cabernet, Petit Bordeaux, Syrah, Grenache, and so, Quinoa, Mouvede all those were pretty consistent from site to site. Merlot's a little a little iffy in 2016. So in the final product, are
0: these blended into the same final wine?
1: Yeah, so these will be these will be components of Cloudabets, mm-hmm. because Clotabets is based on Merlot. Um, this is Old Stone Syrah, this will be in our Walla Walla Rock Syrah, first vintage of it. Um, Boucher lower block, this will go into La Serene. This is uh, one of our sites at Ciel du Cheval of Syrah, clone 99, this goes into Cote So yeah, these all have different homes. Love it. Okay, so cool. third third Merlot. You were in mid Yakima Valley near Zilla for De Brule, down in Milton Freewater for Seven Hills Merlot. Now we're back west again to Red Mountain for Clipson. So this is Clipson Merlot. It's probably the ripest Merlot for us in 2016. This is amazing. It is, it is. Now, how's that going to be? I mean, is it. Have you ever thought about doing this by itself? Yeah, I know, we have. Uh, Bob's threatened to do it before. Uh, Jay Miller in 2006 told him if you bottle this up, I will, I'm giving you a tentative score of 97 to 100, and Bob didn't do it because <laughs> we needed it prepared it for me. Yeah. Yeah. We might do it this year, maybe, maybe two barrels, just because it's such a neat wine by itself this year. Oh, wow. i
0: on
1: Which one? Okay, so this is a 100% comp of De Bruyne Merlot 2016, all five barrels, it's about 80% new oak. So, so on the Clipson, what are bricks coming in at? Uh, The bricks on clips in this year, so let me back up. Usually on Red Mountain, um, previous to 2014, most Washington wineries were starting to pick Merlot, usually mid to end of the second week of um, September. Last few vintages, we've been pushing back closer to the first week. We're usually picking Merlot on Red Mountain between 25 and 27 bricks. I think this was 26 and a half. Um, These were both picked around 24, maybe 25 here. So this is probably the ripest Merlot we picked in 2016. Later harvest on than than Syrah? No, Merlots, uh, Merlots going to be the first thing you harvest in Washington State and it, no matter where you are mostly. all of all, they can push a little further, but usually Merlots are coming off first in most parts
0: of Washington. And so does that mean that Merlot ripens earlier than Syrah? things like Cabernet are towards the end? Mid to late okay. Cabernet. And call it Petit Verdot at the very end?
1: Uh, yeah, Petit, Petit Verdot is mid to late as well. Okay. Okay, so those are the three Merlots, three, three Merlots. different parts of Washington. Great. Um, starting out in the Rocks. Uh, this is Rock Syrah from a vineyard we bought last year called Old Stones. It's uh, 12.7 acres. It's, it's adjacent to Cave uh, Vitner's River Rock. It used to be owned by Waters, and when they broke up, um, this guy in Colorado ended up with it, and Steve bought it from last year, so we, we tore most of the vineyard out. Uh, we left two blocks of Syrah, uh, both planted in 2004. Phelps clone and Toddless Creek were the two clones. This happens to be uh, Phelps clone, 100% whole cluster fermented, so no de-stemming at all on this. This was foot-trotted and punched down by hand. Uh, two weeks on the skin, so two weeks skin contact.
0: So that carbonic? Do you have to contain the vessel for the action to occur?
1: Okay, so carbonic maceration, so, okay, carbonic, okay, carbonic fermentation to begin with is intercellular fermentation, right? So it's never gonna, it's never gonna probably break, I can't remember, I'd have to look it back up. So you're gonna get up to like, a percent and a half of alcohol, intercellular fermentation, okay? So no, it's, it's inside of a, of a closed grape berry. Okay, carbonic fermentation. So that means that carbonic fermentation has to happen with a stem involved. So it's not even a berry, It's not even whole berries. There has to be a stem there. It has to be something holding it tight, tightly closed, for it to be carbonic maceration. So destemming it would open up kind of a... It would break stuff. it. A break it. Yes, yeah. yes. Don't confuse these two things though. I want to be clear. Okay. So carbonic maceration has nothing to do with any CO2 levels in these ones. Sure. Okay, so the CO2 content that are in these wines is primarily one from fermentation where the thing was completely saturated, like 2000 ppm CO2, right? And so so fermentation, like the primary fermentation that happens on skins that's gonna take a couple weeks, a week or two, and that's when it's gonna get saturated. Every, every, after you press it off, it goes in the press or it gets pumped out, it loses a ton of that. Maybe it gets down to a thousand PPM when we barrel it down, right? And then ML happens. More CO2 is being produced, but the, the level is still dropping because it was never as vigorous as primary. So say at the end of uh, ML, maybe it's at a thousand or 800 parts per million. CO2, so, yep. Yeah, CO2. Every day that it's in a barrel, it's dropping a little tiny bit. When you rack it, it'll drop a ton, but that's the thing. That's why wine, red wines age for a year or two in barrel and they release that CO2 that, when, the wine, when the barrel breathes, right? So this has a lot of CO2 because it's in a neutral barrel, it's never been racked, so it's loaded with CO2. These all have CO2 at different levels, nothing to do with carbonic. Okay. But you aren't racking
0: like anymore. at all.
1: No, we rack, so everything here has been racked except for the straws and the southern rose. So that's, that's a, why this will have a lot more CO2 than this cab that's been wrapped. I mean, racking, uh, this might have 800 corpus. parts, this might have 250 parts, CO2, PPM.
0: I've, I've heard of carbonic
1: happening in Beaujolais, where it's in some sort of sealed container. Where they do they pump in CO2? To... Yes. Yes. So in Beaujolais, so when, they, when you're in Beaujolais, what they do that classic carbonic maceration. They're taking uh, those, either they'll usually pick into the small bins and dump them into bigger bins, but they're taking all whole clusters, putting them in bins, they're sealing them, covering the top, and leaving them for like 10 days. And so they're not they're they, they, they're not intentionally crushing anything. So the stuff at the bottom is going to start it fermenting because it's going to the weight will crush it. Right. But trying ideally none of it's getting crushed and some people will put it in small enough containers where it doesn't get crushed at all so that's 100 percent carbonic intercellular fermentation and is co2 being pumped in or is it just a a cause sometimes sometimes they'll throw dry ice in there sometimes they'll use co2 gas sometimes they'll use argon but all they're trying to do with that is stop yeast and bacteria from taking hold that they don't want like say there was Britannomyces that came in from people putting old grape skins every year out in the vineyard and say there was Botanomyces in there. They don't want that. Yep, they don't want that to take over the ferment, so they're trying to slow anything down with temperature and inert gas. So they're trying to cool it down and use inert gas of some type. So when you take those berries, and you're, you're in Beaujolais, you take some of those berries and you put them in your mouth and chew on them, they're going to be loaded with CO2 because there's been intercellular fermentation. And they're also going to have a, a degree or degree and a half of alcohol. And that's where you get also those crazy, uh, like banana and bubble gum type of esters in Beaujolais because it happens during that first stage of the carbonic maceration and they'll actually it can it'll continue and that flavor profile will be in the young wines but eventually it'll be gone it it only hangs around for a certain amount of time
0: so you mentioned that you're doing whole cluster, and are you doing carbonic then?
1: Yes. So, so, but that's just because a certain percentage of them don't get broken, right? So right. for a certain period of time, by the time we press them off, they're all broken. But it's not where you're putting it in this container with the lead. I mean. Exactly. But okay. there is some carbonic going on, but it has there's no connection between that and the CO2 in these ones. Just Got for it. For your for your master plan. Okay. So did you try old stones? Uh, I did the first. Syrah? Syrah. Okay. So that's old stones. Now. Uh, we're headed. So that was in Walla Walla. Now we're headed back he's from west. Seattle and he's this, is, correct. <laughs> this is Boucher Vineyard. Um, this is. These are. There's two blocks right next to his house. This is our highest elevation site we farm. 1,300 feet. It's also the coolest site. It's 20 miles as the crow flies from here to Red Mountain. Red Mountain is our most heat accumulation. And Boucher is our least heat accumulation. Sometimes we will pick these grapes. Yes. Sometimes we'll pick these grapes a month later than the Syrah grapes on Red Mountain. Wow. So sometimes we'll see, like in 2011, this these blocks were picked like the last couple days of October. So Boucher, in certain vintages, can get this really wild gaminess because it has just more hang time than anywhere else. Is this going to be blended with the Boucher, or, or would you do an estate This wine? is going to be a Rock Syrah. This will be our fourth Syrah, likely. This is, this is one of the blocks that goes into L'Osserie. Right. So at Boucher, we have two blocks, both planted 1996, both Phelps clone, and those are the wines that have always made L'Osserie. Do you label estate vineyard on the Old Sun? We will. So this is going to be a new one?
0: Probably. So for, first vintage on this one? Mm-hmm.
1: Cool. On our new vineyard. On yeah. the Old Sun? Yep.
0: Okay, let's so try this
1: Cabernet Sauvignon, Clone 8, Heart of the Hill. So, when you get to here, this is the same wine, Heart of the Hill Clone fermented in a poly 1.5, those white fins, fermented yeah. in the Nomblo, fermented in a barrel. So, just the, the difference being the fermentation vessel. Cool. Okay, we've awesome. we tried those Syrahs. So Rocks right. cool. Rox Boucher. This is uh, Ciel du Cheval, Clone 99 Syrah. So this is one of three clones we get from Seal du Cheval. It was fermented in non-blow with uh, 33% whole clusters. So yes, back to your carbonic. We do get some carbonic in there on the on the clusters that are that don't get broken up early and that does lend a certain fruitiness, banana, bubblegum, all those things to the wines, but it's it's kind of in transition. You catch it when you press off for a couple months and then it's gone. It's not the type of influence like on Beaujolais Nouveau. We just see it for a little bit. A little bit. We're doing it more for the influence of the stem. Once punchdowns are happening, um, obviously the clusters
0: are, are starting to get broken mm-hmm. up, so that influence might get reduced, uh-huh. or
1: reduced, minimized, mm-hmm. okay. Can I this yes, so this is De Brule Cabernet. This is uh, a single barrel that was barrel fermented in a brand new terrace. So,
0: Indeed, how's the neck? Excellent. Uh, did you try Thank the, you, Thank, the you Thank you for doing, right, doing this. Uh, so I hate that. Weeks. This is awesome. I'll get there. I'm about halfway through. Oh, really. So what do you got to do sounds for this? Sounds awesome. smells awesome. Uh, <laughs> sounds uh, awesome. My uh, <laughs> so ligaments are detached. So they're going to sew that back on. Oh, uh, so
1: sorry. sorry. When do you do your test? The it's in July. In July. Bicep two you've been studying for? For, about for so years? Five years. I'm sorry. Brule yeah. okay. so like, Bruyne- cabernet. Uh, you know, I don't have a direct mentor, So again, um, this yeah. this site is an, it's it's, a, it's kind of irregular, being that mostly we don't farm Bordeaux grapes in Midyat, yeah. It's too cool, except for Brule. <laughs> which we. They, they tend to be a little more elegant there it's a little tough to ripen cabernet and merlot mid yakima valley there's just not enough heat and there's just not enough there's just not enough length of hours of heat in the day it gets warm too late and it starts getting cool too early there so it's just it's not what we look for bordeaux but this site produces a very specific type of bordeaux so what this is is five barrels of De Bruil. that was our whole harvest of it um it's 80 percent new because it's four new barrels one neutral barrel so you taste this, which is a 100% composite blend, and then this is a single barrel of DeBroulle Cab that was barrel fermented in a brand new Tarento barrel. So you get to see the difference. it's a really Thank unique. You. It's like on this whole triangle.
0: Really so you're, you're referring to ripeness um, being different in the Yakima because of heat. So how does sunlight affect ripeness compared to heat? ripeness more more concerned because of heat or can you get redness just with a lot of sunlight yeah
1: you can but heat, heat's probably the bigger factor you need both but heat will heat will stop you before sunlight hours will stop if heat, you don't get is enough heat, heat? You, is heat units? yeah because it, it's it's the it's the scale of heat units which uc davis promotes and yeah, so really, I mean, a lot of people will measure it, like, you need to be over a certain temperature for a certain amount of hours in the day to get to be able to ripen a certain grape variety. But, I mean, it's not as simple as that, but heat would trump light hours, certainly. Because if you can't get hot enough, you're not going to ripen anything. You won't get rid of pyrazines without temperature. You need temperature for the for pyrazines to burn out, basically, late in the season, or they'll just stay. You to have sunlight in the, end and the, in the Arctic all summer long, but you aren't going to grow grapes, ripen grapes there. Yeah, that makes sense, for sure. That's pretty extreme, <laughs> but yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: Which one? Okay, Heart of the Hill. So this one
0: is Heart of the Hill? Clone
1: 8. So it's yeah. Heart of the Hill Clone 8 okay. Cabernet, and it was fermented in a poly fermenter. The next one is a concrete fermenter. The next one is a barrel fermenter. So pyrazines is
0: an red character of, of yeah, Cabernet Yeah. So, so uh,
1: methoxypyrazine is the green flavors, like the bell pepper, yeah. the green bean, all all those things. So you have different concentrations of those. Like if you get a cool vintage in Bordeaux, that's why. So Bordeaux is flanks the ocean there. It's 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 uh, maritime in right? It's a maritime climate. Sure. And it's funny too because people the thing that I really hate people say oh Washington you know we have this great diurnal temperature fluctuation so we really hold the acidity in our grapes well and it's like well it's not exactly true because Bordeaux is a maritime climate and it has it has that even to a greater extent than we do which is the versus inland continental that we have versus a maritime influence they're at the opposite ends of the spectrum and they have a similar thing so I I think that's a, a simple way of looking at it but um yes pyrazines Curzines is going to be a problem in Washington, it used to be more so when our yields used to be a lot higher. Uh, yields these days have gone, come down, 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 so it's easier to get rid of them. It was bad in the 70s. Catherine said Heart of the Hill Poly, start at the Heart yep. of Hill Poly. Yep, Heart of the Hill, of the Hill. Clone eight in a poly ferment. That's awesome. Thank you. Yep. Sorry about that. No um, so are you getting fruit samples before you're like, okay, let's, let's
0: like when it's harvest time, from the vineyard, are, are fruit samples coming in? Like,
1: I, I saw okay. some, but. Yeah, so so, so say we're, so we're leading up to harvest, it's in August. We're planning on, we usually start getting serious about harvest the last week of August. We're like, whoa, grapes could come in this week. So we had been going to the vineyard about every week, hitting all of our blocks. By the time, let me back up even further. Washington's growing seasons have, the last three years have been about a month long. A month is four weeks, just for, just for reference, four weeks long. So we're, we're, we're harvesting like 48 blocks in four weeks. And so because of the grapes are over there, there's bin movements and trucking companies and all these different things and capacity at the winery. So we're trying to look in the crystal ball and always plan 10 days out. So we're going to the vineyard. Once, once the first fruit comes in, we hit our vineyards twice a week and we're going to sample every block, we're going to sample up and down every row, randomly, both sides, because the eastern exposure versus the western exposure is going to be a different ripeness level, so we have to hit both sides. We walk down the rows with team and we say, we, we go by the clusters, we're trying to randomly sample. So we're And going you don't top. look at the clusters. Yes, we say top, bottom, left, right, in, out, north, south, east, west. So we're trying to pull from different parts of the cluster, so we get a random berry sample. So we try to get a few hundred berries per block, but we hit every block, or every, every row and every block of ours we hit. So then we come back, we do uh, chemistry on it, we do sensory analysis, and we're trying to say, okay, we think Ciel du Cheval, uh, Merlot 76. is we'll, we'll probably pull it off on the 3rd of September, which is 10 days away. So we're gonna probably sample that two or three more times. But the big thing is, when we're like three days out, we want to sample that and say we made a good decision. Let's still keep that 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 date in three days from now, or we're like, shit, it's not gonna be right. We need to push that out five more days or two more days. So that that's our harvest. Is everything we're looking 10 days out, saying. So it's a little different. Like if you're if you are like. Uh, St. Helena winery and your vineyards are all down the road, you can be like, shit, this is perfect. Let's pick pull this in the morning. You know what I mean? Right. To where here with the logistics, the bin movements, the trucking, you can't in the vin- in the vineyard cruise. You know, they might be planned a week out. In the middle of harvest they might be ten days out. They so we travel. have to have Everything those slots. At one time. Exactly. So you can't just be like, can we pick that in three days? They'll say fuck you. They're like we're booked out for 12 days, so it's weird. We have to have these slots ready to go. So our our strategy is so different here than a lot of places where your wineries are actually close to the grapes. Interesting, huh? You have to look ahead and, and really. Yeah. So the way we sample and the way we're, what we're looking for for ripeness, we're always a week, ten days out. We're, we're, we kind of are just used to that because that's our that's the model that we live in. So most people don't go to the vineyards as frequently as we do because during harvest we're out. Steve puts on like thousands of miles. We're hitting all the vineyards twice a week. All the vineyards. Right. It's nuts. Do you find that harvest time weather conditions cause much variability? Yes. Um, so the problem is, and what we've seen in the last few vintages, is we might, get a, we might get a rain of it uh, that the night before we're going to pick, and then we have to stop, because we're not going to pick our grapes when they're wet, because it's going to be all kinds of problems, dilution being one of them. Hey, man. Hi, I oh,
0: yeah. Yes. I'm doing yeah. very well. How are you? Yeah, how are you enjoying the wine? It's great. Louis is I'm taking me time. to the flight here. And... Yes, fantastic. Yeah. Gonna, okay, I'm so not. where are
1: you, Nick? You had no, De Brule? We just,
0: we just did De Brule. Is
1: this your glass? Yes. Okay, so this is the De Brule. I, cab. I didn't
0: get any pyrazines on, on the De Brule. Absolutely. So you're, I mean, that's very intentional that you're picking, you're,
1: you're choosing fruit, that. Yeah, well, we pushed it about a week further than we've ever pushed it before, and that helped a lot. It, this is a tough lot for us. The De Brule cab, It's we struggle with, we've, we've thought about letting this lot go before just because it's so hard to get it to the this level of a lot of our other Cabernets. Uh, De Brule. Oh, yeah. it, it's a tough lot to get right. So we're trying to push it, push it, push it further. So this this is the Mablo oh, fermented? No, sorry, this is a barrel ferment. This is a barrel bre- ferment. De Brule Cabernet. This is uh, a barrel ferment and a brand new Terenceau. This is uh, a blend of five different barrels.
0: Also barrel fermented?
1: One barrel, This, this is in here. So this is four brand new barrels, one of them is this barrel, 2.4, and there's one neutral in here. So this is all of Brule cab that I have, 100% confident. And, and this is just a kind of a section of that? that this was... is just one piece of it, one barrel that was a barrel for me. So you're fermenting in a 225? Yes, so it's a brand new, we only barrel ferment in brand new barrels. So I take them apart, pop the head out, put them upright so I can show you pictures. We'll put, and we put them on a barrel rack, and so they're just upright, we can fit about 400 pounds of fruit in them, and we just punch them down by hand. So it's just like any other fermenter, it's just smaller. It's about 400 pounds. So it's I about, it's a, it's a fifth of a ton. So that, that
0: ferments in the same period of time as, as another vessel? Same time. About uh, 10 days?
1: Yeah, about ten days, yeah. Okay. And then when it comes time that okay, it's, it's at full. Yeah. Well, so say so say it's either it's extracted where we want it or it's dry enough. We're gonna take the free run. I took the free run from that. So what we and do we is we pump it out. To, we pump it out. So what we have to do though is for we always do pair uh, barrel fermenting pairs. It takes two brand new like tear and sew reference one twelve right here. It took two of these to make one finished barrel. So it's two barrels full of must makes one barrel of finished one. Because it contains fruit matter. And then when so. you press it, it gets combined. Yeah, so the press usually doesn't make it back in. We try to do just the free run. Sometimes we might need a little press, but mostly it's just the free run. The press will go in with other press or
0: somewhere else. So you're you're putting your press juice in its own barrel and treating that as its own thing instead of
1: Always. getting it
0: back into... Yes,
1: uh, I'm gonna get you a couple more glasses. Always. And sometimes it doesn't work out, so barrel might be less you know, stuff. But always try to get her straight. So, here is. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna set this up for you. And oh, you need that glass too. Got it. you need is. Okay, let me do this. So I'm gonna do Heart of the Hill. And so it's not apples to apples on this comparison because the barrels aren't the same, but the fermenters are different, so bear with me. So this is Heart of the Hill cab, clone eight Cabernet Sauvignon. This is fermented in a poly fermenter. This is fermented in the non-blow behind us. This is fermented in um, a barrel. Okay. Poly fermenter holds about a ton? Uh, a ton and a half, but this, this volume-wise, that's about 375 gallons of must, 850 gallons of must, 60 gallons of must. Oh, got it. That is lovely, yeah. isn't it? So these are the three different. So what's the difference? Polyferment, concrete ferment, barrel ferment. Same wine, Heart of the Hill Colony, Cap. And what do you find is the difference
0: in... You tell ha- me. Yeah. You just t- taste them uh, first. Uh, right, taste right. them. They're taste them.
1: Different. Yeah,
0: taste them. So. Wow, okay, so this uh, third one, the barrel ferment, seems to have a definite kind of um, lactone, vanillin-like, Hit to it, most aggressive structure to me on the mm-hmm. on the non-blow, mm-hmm. and then um,
1: kind of the the most silky texture. On, I agree. On the... So so for me, the poly ferment is kind of the most straightforward. It's the least complex. Its mid-palette is the least weightiest, though, I mean, it's nice. It's our classic fermenter. Uh, when you go to the non-blow, it's a little tough because this is a Bacard uh, barrel. It's a it's a barrel they've been developing with Chateau Latour called um, Uh, it's called the 180 and they actually toast it inside of a computer-controlled box so it it's a new barrel and it shows a lot of vanilla notes right now so that's the only thing that throws this whole comparison off a little is that barrel but uh, much more tannic integration here you're right more structure a lot more length for me this here is the fattest mid-palette but it has the most austerity it's a little it hasn't really integrated yet it has a lot of kind of unresolved tannin in the mid-palette but it has just a tremendous amount of weight in the the middle one has the best fit yeah, the mid, the, the finish phenomenal yeah, finish. Yeah. I, I think so. Mostly they're, they're all different on the palate, I think. I think it's just, it's an interesting exercise in fermentation. Yes. This is Olsen Fatigue Verdot. What do you mean when you say mid palate? Uh, wait on the mid palate, I guess. Um, like, what does the term mid palate mean to you? Before the finish. Okay. Cabernet Sauvignon for me. The problem with Cabernet, which makes it very hard to make on its own... Okay, Louis, this is non-blow fermented. Concrete ferment behind you, Cabernet. So the thing about that wine up so is Cabernet usually has a classic donut hole in the middle. Like that's why Bordeaux blends do so well. I mean, that's why Pere de Famille has Petit Verdot and Merlot in it. That's why Chaluriste has Petit Verdot and Merlot in it because Merlot, Petit Verdot can really fill in that mid-palate. That's the thing with Cabernet, is it always, even the best examples, except for like maybe Schrader or something like that, they kind of, there's holes kind of in the palate. That one has a classic for me. The mid-palate, it's a little lacking. You get to this one and it's a little more full, like, it's just weightier, it's like weightier, fattier, just touches more spots on your palate. And it's just, it lingers, it lingers for longer and it really just has more weight for me going across the palate than this one right here. Just that mid, that, just that weight going across the palate is more. This one has the most for me, but it's, very, it's tannic as well. You could call it weight too. Sure. It just look at it strictly as weight of the wine. It doesn't mean you agree, or that I'm right, or who's wrong, whatever. It does, that's my perception of it, is that there's just more weight in these two wines uh, in general. It's kind of like a, a glossy, creaminess. A glycerol yeah. element. sure. Cooks the palate. So uh, what's the next event? Do you have a bottle in coming up? Uh, June 6, 7, 8. June 6, 7, 8. We're bottling the 15 Bordeaux. Flo of Bats, Père and Heart of the Hill. Yeah. Dang it, I'll be in Bordeaux right then. I was supposed to be in Bordeaux except for Lauren Riverfoot. I was supposed to leave uh, in like two weeks. Missed it. Steve's gone. South Africa? Bordeaux. Bordeaux. Where do you like to go? Oh, I've never been. It's like one of those spots that I have not been to. So um, so Sagan Moreau had already been setting up appointments and everything, and then Lauren broke her foot, so she just got out of the cast. But I think we're either going to go late summer before harvest or else we'll have to go hit it next year at this time. So for your barrels, do you have to work with a different broker for every
0: barrel brand, or, or is it kind of direct? Yeah, yeah.
1: So I'm right now is the time of year I'm putting my barrel order together. It would be cool if I had time to show you the, my barrel orders. Every year we're experimenting with new Coopers. but um, So no, we have to go through... Yeah, I mean, we have different barrel reps this time of year coming. So like Gamba, there's a Jeff sells me all the Gamba barrels, and Adam sends me, sells me all this again tomorrow. So yeah, it's a different broker with everyone, though we have one company, h and Finance, that finances all the barrels. So they technically, they send the invoices to h because they finance the barrels for us. Right. Um, but yeah, so I go through each Cooper directly. This year, I'm trying a bunch of new barrels. Um Let's see, uh, Selection Anna, uh, Berger, um, I can't even remember them all, but we're gonna try to like six new coopers this year and like 10 new styles, so I'm pretty stoked. That's awesome. So within each cooper, they have a whole range of different toast
0: levels. Is it different grain? Uh, let's something real quick. All right.
1: So somewhere, in all my chaos today, I have a bunch of barrel, because I'm putting barrel orders together right now. So these are like what the uh, what the people bring me. Brochures. So yeah. like here's contestants, and it'll show you like every style of barrel they make, how much it costs. Check them out. Awesome. Wow. So French oak, European oak, American oak,
0: different categories, toasting guide.
1: That's awesome. So this is if you go here. Okay, this is my sheet that I've been working off the last few years. So this is my barrel order every year as I put it together. So I started this when I got here in 14. So uh, 14, 15, 16, 17. So each one, each style of barrel, so I can compare it. So this is all the different styles I get from Terenceau, Siginmoro, Sori, Silva, and Gamba. And um, so I'm working on the 17. So I'm not done, and then you see down Justin's here. Boots here, are here yeah, here's all the prices in euros. Oh sure, because every, I buy everything in euros except for a couple barrels. If there's not a euro sign, that means I buy it in U.S. dollars. Got it? Like this one, for instance, because um, it's probably Napa Cooper. But this is the, this is like the total. This is the price per barrel. So you can look at this, and you can kind of see how much barrels cost. Oh wow. Yeah.
0: So price. Uh Wow, okay, so 2014 price, we're looking at 871 euros, 1015 euros, 1480 euros, 990 euros, 1296 euros, 1303 euros, and some different Coopers here. Terran Soad, Moreau, Sari, Sylvain, Gamba, Quintessence, Boot, Orion, Picard, Francois Frere, LRE, Julian Anne, and within each producer, it looks like a whole bunch of different kinds. 225s, 228s, 300s, 500s, and that's in liters. So 225 liter, 228 liter, 300 liter, 500 liter.
1: Shit. Yes. Okay, so uh, I got a couple Petit Verdot's for you. Okay. (laughs) So, um, here, let's do this. Here, I'll do this so you can do a comparison. Okay. So these are uh, 20 miles apart, as the crow flies. This is Olsen, which is uh, one of my— Leif Olsen, one of my very favorite growers in Washington. And this is Heart of the Hill. These are both 100% Petit Verdot's. Petit Verdot does very well in Washington. Why is that? I don't know. Uh, We get lots of heat here. And it needs heat to ever get ripe right tannins that aren't austere. It, uh, it's just, the deep verdot does something special here.
0: Mm. Yeah, really bright, dense fruit here. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Similar treatment and.
1: Very different, huh? Yeah. Boy, that heart of the hill is just, it's a mouthful, isn't it? intense. Thank, so Thank you. Thanks for coming. Yeah, okay. Sounds like a supercharged
0: Malbec.
1: It kind of, yeah. Yeah, maybe a little more weight. But yeah, Malbec can be pretty weighty, too. No, I think that's a good call. And it, Plus, the flavor profile is very dark. It's that blackberry, boysenberry. It's, it's deep, dark fruit. Did you try the barrel ferment? So this is the same wine that you just had, the last one. It's just fermented in a small barrel, brand new. Is there more um, kind of variable?
0: factors with a barrel barrel ferment because there's so much more surface area of the container with fruit relative to a a larger fermentation vessel.
1: Yeah well I mean there's just a lot of variability from barrel to barrel just the way that they make them and toast them. So you'll have a few barrel ferments that all taste wildly different. Same thing, um, now we track which when we taste through all our barrels, we taste through fermenters at a time. So we group our barrels when we taste them, like the glasses on this, like this morning. We have, we're we tasting, if we're gonna taste Heart of the Hill Cab, we're tasting fermenter number 17, then 18, then 22, then 32. That way we're tasting the three or four barrels that came from this fermenter together as a group, because the fermenters can show wildly different as well. And so we're working on, this year starting, being able to actually harvest all of our rows, all of our vineyard blocks per row. like. Like row number 42 goes in a bin, row number 43 goes in a bin. It's going to take like 10 years to get people on board with it, but we're starting. So when you say block, is that so? A block might be like an acre at a certain vineyard that's like nine rows, and that's ours. But, we farm. Oh, it's but ours. So that varies in size. Just it can be anything. It's just a unit. Yes, because we have blocks of Ciel du Cheval that are two rows of Merlot. They're a quarter acre, but those are our Betts rows. Row number 672 and 673 our Betts Family Winery. Uh, Ciel du Chabal Merlot, clone 181, and we get those same two rows every year. Or you could have a giant block. Yeah, or we have, we have uh, an acre and a half of clone 99 Syrah, and it's like, I think it's like 16 rows, and, that, and it's all ours. So yeah, a, a block, a vineyard block could be, so yes, there are, if you go to the vineyard and you look at a map of the vineyard, there might be 20 blocks of Seal du Cheval, but just in one block of Syrah, there could be like 16 different producers that each have their own block. That might be either half rows, full rows, three-quarter rows. I mean, it can be broken up in so many different ways because most people in Washington State have long-term contracts with growers like Pinona and Ciel du Cheval and De Brule and Seven Hills and all these places. And so they have a lot of different wineries and they all have their own designated spots. Like a lease? Yeah, it's a, it, yes, it's a long-term lease. It, technically, the people that do sign leases, they're uh, an Evergreen lease, whatever, a three-year contract. So yes, they're a lease. Cool. Wow, this is
0: incredible. Thank you. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And thanks also for hosting uh, our recent tasting. Yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> cool, yeah, it was
1: fun. Yeah. Did you yeah. enjoy how it turned out? Yes, yes. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm working on wines for the next one. Yeah. I'm chasing a bottle of 76 range. That um, a guy had in a collection in New York that he just sent to auction, and I'm trying to get it from the guy he just sent it to because it's really it's like the only bottle I can find, and it has actually has good provenance. But um, I'm trying to get it. I'm trying to interrupt that. Would you
0: like me to reach out to D. Lynn
1: uh, Proctor with Penfolds and see if we can get anything older? Uh, sure, depends on the vintage. Sure, if you if you know somebody there, it depends on the price and the vintage. Sure, why not? Reach out. Could not yeah, hurt. Yeah, couldn't hurt. Sure. Okay. Let me know. Sounds I got good. time because it's not until next month. So I, yeah, yeah. Let me know, please. Yeah, that'd be cool. Okay, sounds good. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Louis, nice for coming. Appreciate it. We'd Thanks like for the invite.
0: Yeah. yeah. All right. I'll see you soon.